I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey Sinners, you're listening to Sinful Cuts, the podcast that takes a look at the wild, weird, and wonderful world of horror. We take a deep dive into some of your favorite movies, possibly uncover some hidden gems, sometimes we even get some stinkers. Thank you so much for joining us, we truly love having you here. Please sit back, take a listen, and let's get our scare on. <laughs> Thrill me. Hey, sinners, I'm Shannon, and I'm Sean. (laughs) This is sinful cuts, yeah. and we'll never get this. We'll never get it right. If we did a professional <laughs> opening to the podcast, I think people would now, at this point, because I know it was incredibly annoying for the first fifteen, but I think people would be upset now. They'd be like, "Oh, mm, they figured out what they're doing." Oh my god! Well, rest assured, sinners, we have not. So you know, you've got that to look forward to for the next five hundred episodes. <laughs> Oh, but we're back after Thanksgiving. Uh, obviously, we took a break last week to, you know, take some time off, enjoy our families. So digest. Hope, yeah, and digest. <laughs> I hope you guys, um, you know, had a wonderful holiday. And, uh, yeah, what are we talking about today, Sean? What's that time of year? We're going to kick off, and we're going to be doing this going forward, Sinners, that we're going to have theme months. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. This one is just, like, glaring. So it's holiday horror. Yes. Um, we're going to do Black Christmas. 1974 <laughs> version. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas. 
If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Rated R. So we've got 74, we've got 2006, and I think 2018? Yeah, one definitely came out recently, which it, it looked... I never saw that one. It looked like a completely different premise. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely haven't heard good things about it. Uh, I think I've mentioned this a few episodes ago about the 2006 version. So I've always had, for the longest time, the worst movie I ever saw. Which was, was which was not not the recent one again back in the day, which was Dungeons and Dragons. Oh boy, yeah, right. Oh so yeah, 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 yeah. Not the Chris Pine, the, like no, a, not... a, a Jeremy Irons. Yes, one. yeah. Oof-a. And I, I think one of the Wayans brothers was in it too. Yes. So that I I don't know. I definitely sat there with my arms crossed, hating that That's every a real second bad of movie. it. Um, and I want to say by the time I finally saw the 2006 version of Black Christmas. I'm like, yep, this now wins. It it was, it, it definitely just, it took a, like a slide up over Dungeons and Dragons. My, like, and I believe that was the same writer. I think that was Roy Moore as well. It was and, definitely based on his original, uh, on the original. Yeah, yeah. so he probably, um, either he wrote it or he's getting a credit because it was his original um, idea. Yeah, that's true. Okay. But he could have he could have written it. But like, but the main issue was definitely giving the character more of a background because that's actually one of the things that stands out about the seventy four film is that you know spoiler alert if you've never seen it but you you never you, it, it leaves a mystery like you don't know who he is why he's doing what he's doing you, we don't even you know really if he don't... actually is Billy I mean he says he's Billy but we don't know if he's Billy in the original yeah yeah I don't even think he really can officially says uh that he is Billy I think that's just on his one of his uh, many many, many rants yeah. and raves over the phone like that's just a name you hear over and over and over again so it's yeah so we just he just acquires the name Billy 2018 didn't see didn't hear anything good about it I'll probably watch it. I'll, you know, I'll catch it on the stream. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to disparage it too much because I haven't seen it, but I have heard. That, that might be like a wrapping presence. There you go. Folding laundry. Yeah, exactly. Um, two thousand six. This is where we're gonna differ. I do like it. <laughs> I do like it only because it's Glenn Morgan. He's my X Files guy, and he did also did a remake of Willard. I just, I just, you know what it is? The story's garbage because, yeah, they, it's it's a um, a mashup of Billy Lenz's origin story and what's and Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a true remake, even though I guess it is. But you know, they it's this mashup of of flashback and present. But I do like the cruel like sense of humor to it, and I do like I lo- really like Len Morgan's directing style. It's a lot of zooms. It's a lot of like you know tight close ups and then tighter close ups. <laughs> and I just there's just this. It's not a good movie. Yeah. So you we don't have to we don't have to go into the octagon the on that disease. I'm like what I did like the cruel <laughs> fun that he was having with it because the kills are brutal in that movie. But in comparison to the original, yeah. I mean, come on. You where if we're in the octagon, you you got me in the chokehold yeah. and, and I'm I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out, all right? Leave me alone, Chad. seventy-four is better. Got it. <laughs> all right. So let's all right, we're not gonna talk about the remakes now. Well, let's put put those to bed. Let's go to seventy-four and let's talk about Black Christmas. Yes. And so- 
Yeah, all right, you you, you want to take us through the? Oh hi. You want to take us <laughs> through the summary? There's so much to say about this movie. Yes. So okay. So quick summary. So during their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger uh, via phone calls, and then they are picked off one by one. One by one. Okay. Before we get into Black Christmas, will you give me just two minutes to talk about Canadian horror? Okay. All right. So, because I'm kind of obsessed by it. Thank you. I'm kind of obsessed by it because I like so many Canadian horror movies. All right. Um, We can do a little smash or trash at the end on Canadian horror, if you would like. Okay. Because I can't think of any other Canadian horror. But there's probably a lot that I... Love that I, so I don't surprised. realize. Yeah, there's yep. probably a lot that I don't realize. Okay. So, I'm, I'm just going to give you, like, a, a smattering. So, you know, like, Scanners. Cronenborg is Canadian horror. Um, oh, you got mo- movies like uh, uh, Death Dream that Bob Clark did. Black Christmas, of course. The Brood, another Cronenborg uh, movie. Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I always feel like I'm saying the beer when I pronounce his name. is David Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, My Bloody Valentine. Okay. Canadian horror. Okay. A uh, movie called The, the Incubus. Original. You ever see it? The original, right? The original. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. You ever see The Incubus? I don't think so. Yeah, it's with Nick Cassavetes. Check it out. Okay. It's. I'm not going to say anything about it. Sinners, if you haven't seen The Incubus, check it out. It's bananas. And the ending... Is a banana split, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it's definitely worth your time. So, okay, so you have all these movies coming out during the 70s and like the early part of the 80s that are pretty heavy hitters in the horror canon. Why did this happen? Canadian government saw how much um, money other countries were making exporting their films, okay. and they weren't making anything. So the Canadian government's like, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna allow for what is it called? I wrote it down, and of course I can't read my own ha- handwriting. Um, <laughs> they, it's the Canadian Capital Cost Allowance. Okay. So Shannon, I know you're begging me. <laughs> what is that, Sean? Please tell me. <laughs> it's the Canadian government is like, you know what? We're gonna fund your film. Sometimes up to 100% of your production costs. Oh, wow. So this is um, David Cronenberg. It still feels wrong out of my dumb mouth. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I think that sounds right. He basically shot all his movies almost for free. So, But it didn't last forever. And the reason was the Canadian government thought that they were going to get like the sound of music and the Godfather and these sweeping epics. But of course what happened was... <laughs> You know, you had you had pretty creative, you know, geniuses in the horror community were like, my movie was going to be pretty cheap to begin with. Now I can get it shot for free. And all these movies, like Terror Train, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Terror right. Train, Prom Night. Prom Night, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these uh, movies are shot in Canada and they're Canadian productions and they're done on, I was going to say they're done on the cheap, but they're not even done on the cheap. They're just paid for entirely by the Canadian government. Had just been formed a few years ago, and uh, we're starting to give out money um, in the form of loans to get films made, which was uh, a very kind of unique thing um, in, in our history. The whole budget of Black Christmas was $671,000. That was like monumental to me. So, after like a decade of this happening, 
the government there was so so many so much uh criticism about the canadian government paying for what they were saying were absolute you know horrific films and they should be so ashamed and look at all this sex and violence and horror happening that they they, they they didn't shut it down, but they put a cap on it. We'll only pay for half of your production costs. Right. So then it started to like dwindle down and dwindle down. But then what was happening was that at that point in the U.S., 80s horror started to have a boom. And then they were filming at different places around like upstate New York and you know places like that. Right, where they Jersey. Could... A lot. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And the production <clears throat> costs were going way down. They were shooting all these things on the cheap. So they didn't really necessarily need... They, they couldn't compete with what was now being pumped out in the States. Um, and it kind of dwindled away. Okay. Oddly enough, it then picked up again <laughs> with the tax credits. And that's why you and I will be watching a movie and they're like, let's go to Rockefeller Center. And we're like, that's not Rockefeller Center at all. That's somewhere in Toronto. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's still a lot. I mean, Canada, good on you. There's still a lot of stuff being shot there. But they are, they're, the Canadian government, unbeknownst to them, is responsible for so many of the horror movies, a lot of slashers, that we now consider absolute classics right. in, in the genre. So, hey, Canada... I'm sorry if that's hurtful. <laughs> My dumb. <laughs> well, that's history, right? That's, that's yeah. It's a part of history. It is what it is. So this movie being one of them, um, you know, this movie was shot for six hundred twenty thousand dollars. Went on to make about four million. Just to put that in uh, today's terms, that'd be like a three million dollar movie making twenty one million. Right. That's a great return on investment. I think so too. But this movie was it got mixed reviews because it's a mean little film. It's very mean. Yeah, it's mean <laughs> as hell. And that's why I love it. I need to. <laughs> I love it. So kisses to our uh, Canadian neighbors. You guys are such an important part of horror history, and we love you for it. But now let's get back to Black Christmas. Ooh. So this was directed by Bob Clark, um, who is known for 1983's A Christmas Story. Right. Completely different film. Um, and um, again, other very different films, 1981 and 1983, um, Porky's 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Which I love those movies. I, you know, Christmas Story, obviously, just classic. Um, I think I only know one person that hates it. <laughs> Hates Christmas Story. Okay, yes. I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. All right, um, yeah, and that, but Porky's is 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 um. I actually haven't watched those in so long, so I might give those a go sooner than later because it's been it's been a while. But to say that Porky's was popular in my high school when it came out <laughs> is such an understatement. <laughs> it was like one of the like. Of course, you had an older brother, older sister who saw the movie, and then it would like trickle down to the younger grades, you know, yeah. middle school and elementary school, and we're like, wait now, wait, what happens now? And you see what, and then what happens? She grabs what? How the hell? I'm gonna go to see the Secret of Nim, and I'm definitely sneaking into Porky's. <laughs> you know, <laughs> God, I miss those days. Oh, I mean, it's it makes me so sad that I could see any movie, and they're like, here's your ticket, sir, and I'm like. Can I just sneak in? Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> oh, damn. All right, well, so um, Bob Clark, kind of like a you a journeyman, because look at all these different genres that he directs. Yeah. He also, um, he directed this movie, uh, Death Dream, okay. which, which I have not seen, but I hear we have to. It's like one of those, you got to go, yeah, gotcha. see Death Dream. Okay, all right. Um, 
But yeah, big fan of Bob Clark. Big, big fan. Nice. So then, okay, so so another one when, when I started this movie because I, like I think we were saying before, like I was a little ashamed of myself because I know we recently talked about uh, the Halloween movies and you know that was it was a, the first to do a lot of things that were trope that became tropes in the, the horror you know franchises, really more so in the eighties. Yeah, but this one, you know, nineteen seventy four. First person point of view, looking outside, heavy, uh, looking, uh, looking through the windows from outside the house, you know, heavy breathing. And then, you know, um, I believe his name was Albert Dunk, who was quote unquote Billy was, uh, basically the guy, you know, you see his hands and whatnot. Yeah. He's the actual physical actor. He's the physical actor. Yeah. So he, you know, does climb up the, the, the side. Uh, I don't know what you call those things. I always forget what they're called. Trellis? Uh, yeah, like, I guess so. Yeah, I think there's a different name for it too, but we'll we'll call it a trellis for now. Okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I remember I described it to my dad once. You know the things that go like this, and he just said the name. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> it's absolutely called the trellis. <laughs> I, know, I know you're fighting me on this, but it is I'm not fighting a you. I'm just saying I think there's also another name. I'm not fighting. Are we gonna have to go into the octagon over a trellis? <laughs> is that what's happening here, Shannon? <laughs> But anyway, you you you're you're in the driver's seat. Have at it, whatever you want to call it. But you see him climb up the trellis. Thank and, you. And he I'm go- petty. I know. And he goes through the window, and uh, you know, which is up in the attic. And now you know he's in the house. So soon after that, the, they get the phone call because they're having a little Christmas party, right? And they get that phone call, and this is where uh, this is one of a few phone calls. And we find the out movie. this has been going on for weeks, if not months. Yeah, because they said yep. the first thing they said, "Hey, it's that creep it's again." The owner. Yeah. So and, and now this was a collaboration of five different people doing these, you know, weird noises. They obviously distort them. So sometimes you think you hear a woman. Sometimes you hear just like a whiny man. Um, Shannon, uh, it's creepy as hell. It is creepy as shit. It's very, um, you know, I've seen this movie a couple times now. It really is unsettling. Mm-hmm. If you if you give yourself into it, because I can understand, if, you know, some people might be like, oh, yeah, it's like kind of campy. I didn't find that at all. Mm-mm. This movie terrifies me. Creepy phone calls. You're thinking, well, if the guy talks like this, then what's he gonna do, you know, physically? It's a confusion of voices. It's like this sort of a, a multiple personality where there's a violence competing against itself. I was a young actor here in Toronto, and uh, I auditioned for Bob Clark. I sat in a chair in a couch, and you know, with his, my back to him, so he could just listen to the sound of the voice and not look at me, and. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, and basically gave me the, the role right then and there. A lot of the screaming and yelling is, is me. Why are you doing this? I did the voice actually standing on my head to, compre- to compress the thorax, um, to give it that kind of slightly weird and spooky sound. Yeah, it's it freaked me out. I remember the first time I ever saw it. Okay, can I can I can I I need your opinion on something? Yeah, this or Halloween because because they are they're they're so intertwined because of like you said the POV and the seasonal aspect of it. 
which one, I'm not going to ask you, I will eventually, but I'm not going to ask you right now which one you like better or which one you think is a better film, but which one's scarier for you? It could be a tie. It could be a tie. Yeah, it kind of is a tie because, okay, so, because, uh, like, uh, because to me, in a way, they're kind of the, the well, they're not the same movie by at by any means, but like obviously the same premise. So th- this went more. I would say Black Christmas went more on like what you didn't see, where Halloween hundred percent does go on. It went on timing, I think, because without the music, Halloween wouldn't have worked. Like even something as simple as when um, remember the, when the two were crossing the street and he just all he does is just stand up, but they have that quick little ding. You know, I'm not, I can't do it, you know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Why are you stealing my thunder? You I know, know. I'm, like, I'm not I'm the, the Foley artist I, of this podcast. I know, I'm sorry. I was but just trying to paint the picture Respect, there. though, it was really good. I thought I was there. I thought I was there. I thought it was on TV. <laughs> I was like, Shannon, where'd she go? Why am I in the street? But, so, yeah, so, like, to me, they kind of match on a, on two different pedestals, but for two different reasons. Okay. And again, two different holidays, so I, that. I think, for me, Black Christmas is a scarier movie for me because there's no supernatural. Right. It's just, it's some, you know, someone with a lot of mental problems who's insanely dangerous mm-hmm. in your house. And free. And free in your house, and you don't know. And they keep, like, the whole movie... Everybody keeps telling these women, these young women, stay in the house, lock the doors. It's where the danger That's is. That's where it is, yeah. So Bob Clark so immediately, very ironic. <laughs> yeah, immediately takes the safety away because where they keep t- being told to go back to and stay in is the, is the place where our danger is. Yeah. Okay. Halloween, because you know I'm the number one Dean Kundi cinematographer fan of all time, <laughs> Halloween looks better. And is shot better. Okay. And is is a more, I just think it's a more gorgeous film to look at. Whereas Black Christmas for me is scarier, more terrifying. Um, but it's you know Halloween looks better. Okay. I mean, I <clears throat> to be fair, I though I still think Black Christmas fits the vibe because to me it still has a lot of like like again it feels like a christmas movie like you're totally there on christmas eve so. Ooh, you know like the i'm raising my hand <laughs> would you would you consider it a gothic movie because of that because we're kind of like in an old mansion during with the elements and you can hear the wind and 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 it's yeah i guess so kind of isolated because yeah. no one wants to be outside everyone's like i just want to get the fuck inside right would you? I I because the of, outside do look. It does look cold, right? And, you know, with the with the you know. Well, obviously, it's supposed to be, but it's you know, with the snow on the ground and the sorority house is is the. Well, they did say it was freezing. Call too. it a mansion. I mean, the place is fucking gigantic. It's beautiful. Right? Yeah, it is very gothic. It's still standing too. I oh, forget shoot. what it is. I don't know if it's a private residence. But it is absolutely a oh, still standing house. Okay. Yes. Cool, 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 cool. I feel like I looked up the address and I didn't write it down. Oh. But it's there. <laughs> okay. You can definitely Google house in Black Christmas, 1974. It'll come up. You get so so many Christmas vibes from this movie. I mean, visually, it's just all, it's right in your face. There's yes. Yeah. So I think reads. visually, and again, it was still like the early 70s where it still had that, um, 
I guess like that graininess to it is yeah. the best way I can describe which it. Which I kind of love. Which, which I love, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I, I see what you're saying for Halloween, but again, it's almost, well, not even 10 years. No, it's actually, no, it's only a handful of years later. But but yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Um. So I, I just wanted to, I'm going to ask you, of course, the female half of our podcast, how did you feel about the 1974 representation of young women in the movie. So I think I think this well this like overall or we're talk, well specifically talking about this film just just for Black Christmas. Yeah, so I, I think um, it was very. I thought they were very real, honestly. Like you know, like the main um, uh, actor actress, sorry, was uh, Olivia Hussey, um, who played Jess. You know, she's dealing with. Her boyfriend, uh, Peter, that, you know, they get pregnant. She, you know, has that issue where she wants to get rid of it, uh, have an abortion. I should say, I shouldn't say terms like that, but it's, um, you know, obviously, so that's like a real, it's a real problem. Um, you know, there's, they're still in college, so it's... like these were real people. Yeah. In Cinema Canada, that uh, said that the film was misogynist. The reviewer may have a point, but in retrospect, it really is the least misogynist slasher film ever made. I mean, uh, you know, you ha- you've, your your main character is not only pregnant; she's planning on having an abortion, which in an American slasher film would be a complete death wish. It would be the virgin who, of course, lasts to the end to you know battle the forces of evil with her purity. I don't think that the women are presented as victims. I, I mean, they're pretty resourceful and they take action and it's really the men around them, you know, the cops who are pretty much inept and the boyfriends who are not very sensitive. So I, I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. It's still a little bit ahead of its time. That way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got the drunk. Uh, oh my God, we'll get to Barb. Yeah, Barb. <laughs> You got the drunk, you got the... Who she, she was just funny. She was like the, almost like the comic relief, and she gets a very, very wicked death, too. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She does. There was but, Claire, who's the good girl. Um, the, oh, oh, my gosh. We're, 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 I, I, I need to bring this up. So, sorry, I'm all, I'm all over the place, but I agree with you. I thought that these were r- real characters mm-hmm. that were fleshed out. Nobody was like a caricature. Yeah. The closest one that brushes up against it would be Miss, Mrs. Mack. Yeah. Like, she's heavy comic relief. Yeah. I, I actually have a funny thing to say about her. Oh, <laughs> I really love her in this movie. What a boozer. I mean, hiding in the books. Oh, I just... It, it, was, there was, it was in the books. It was in the in the toilet. Yeah. In, in the... In the, um, in the toilet the, tank. Let's say the, to- the tank, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Mrs. Mack. She had one in the coat closet. Love it. I think... The best is when she opens up a shoebox and too. it was an empty and she was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and you felt it. You were like, oh, yeah. All right, Mrs. Mack. Um, she, she, oh, by the way, shout out to Mrs. Mack's hat game is on fire oh, in yeah. this movie. So, okay. So then I'll just skip to that now because yeah, I, wrote, I wrote in my notes. First of all, I wrote alcoholic and, and with exclamation points. But she, when she first comes in, she looks like the penguin to me. With her, with her, she has, her, she has her cigarette. With, and her, I'm air high five and she, Shannon right now. She walks in with her cigarette extender, 100%. with it, with the cigarette lit, and just, she just has it in between her teeth. The only thing she's with not her, doing is with her, with her top hat. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, Mrs. Mac kind of is uh, the penguin in this film. Look, I'm just saying that. If you happen to get this hat for Christmas or your birthday, 
just know you had it coming. Yeah. You had it coming. <laughs> oh my I just And I love hats. Like I, I love like old fancy hats and vintage looks. I love her I loved outfits. every single hat. I love her outfits in this movie. <laughs> so she, she's a lot of fun. But but back to our you know, back to our, our discussion. I just want to wrap up our discussion on the female representation in this movie because it's also um, you know, I felt very much putting myself in in Olivia Hussey's shoes, Barb's shoes, Claire, you know, uh, very much like, man, shit, guys suck. You know, got this perv calling up. Right. Peter's a fucking tool, you know, concert pianist Peter. In a a sense, in a sense. What's all about him? He's like, eh, yeah, yeah, my recital didn't go well, so I'm going to quit, and uh, you're going to keep the baby, and you're going to do what I want. And it was she's an like, awful audition, though. What's that? I was, it was an awful audition. If oh, you yeah. remember his audition, I'm like, what the fuck is he playing? I'm like, why is he, like, sorry, just sinners. smashing the keys. I just, there's no other way to say it. Why is he finger-fucking this <laughs> piano to death? You know? Like, it's pretty much what he did. Again, I'm so sorry, but it's, there's, watch the movie, there's yeah. no other way. It's awful. And he's, like, sweating, and, yeah, <laughs> Peter's, Peter's a lot. Peter's a lot. By the way, you know who almost played Peter and passed it, passed over it and regrets it? To this day, Malcolm McDowell. I never knew that. Yeah, he would just he he's just like ah, I'm I'm gonna take a pass on this one, and then he's like I'm so stupid. It became a horror classic, and I could have been part of it. Ah, uh, you know? I see. That's why you know you never know. Kier Dulier wasn't cra- crazy about the part either, but his parents lived an hour away, and he wanted to visit him. He only shot for a week. Oh wow. Yeah. So they just um he he didn't meet really anyone but Olivia Hussey. So he was there and gone, but... Yeah, he doesn't really have any scenes with anybody else. Yeah, really can't stand uh, Kier Dulé in this movie, but that is a testament to how good he is, because I really, he made me convinced that he was a bad person. Yeah. So I just, like, I just felt like from all sides, these poor women were either being not so much objectified, but kind of like being told what to do and when to do it, and... I love that they were all in their own way. Even Claire, the virgin. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, our virgin gets killed first. I was gonna get into that next when you were done with the with this point. I oh. was gonna, I was totally gonna get into her next. So I, in my notes, I like the vibe of <laughs> like you know they're they're just so many so many barriers for them. You know, even when they go to the cop shop, right? And that guy's Sergeant Nash isn't even remotely taking them seriously. Right. You know, it's just like, but, but they're. I think I wrote in my notes: Sergeant Nash, worst cop ever. Worst cop ever. Yeah, <laughs> he also needs to get out a little more, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just, just a tinge, yeah. just a tinge. Yeah. So, but in their own way, all of them are kind of like taking ownership of who they are, especially um, Jess, because mm-hmm. she's like, "Yeah, I'm going to get an abortion," and you know what? Your thing didn't work out. Don't dra- I got I have dreams. Don't yep. drag my shit down too, because you know you want to quit. Yeah, I, I got a life that I want to lead. So yeah. I just I, I I really feel like this script works so much better. I, I look I hate to compare it to Halloween, but they're so intertwined. Yes, you know I have no problem with the script for Halloween. This one's just it it feels more real. Yeah, I I get it. Which well I I. I uh, 
Oh no no! Let me it, hear it's, it. It's, it's I like love they, this. They, Come they, on. I remember because I remember we talked about it in Halloween too. Like they like it was a. It, I, we felt it was real too well, at the time when we talked about it because I, I think you said Deborah Hill was the one who wrote their dialogue. Yeah, and it definitely came a lot more natural uh, to me about you know the one who doesn't care about school, the other one that only wants to see her boyfriend, the you know, and then you got Lori obviously who's you know just you know focused on her studies more so and just making money from babysitting and things like that. You know what? You know what? I always want to point out for Halloween, and and you have mentioned it when we did Halloween. So I, I want to give kudos to you. Lori's never tagged as the virgin in Halloween. That just became a thing. Right. You, would, you would pointed that out. It just became a trope that then Sean S. Cunningham with um, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. you know, he really dialed into, you know, then it's got to be like the most virginal character will be the final girl. Right. And it just like... Just it, kind of, I think it just segued into yeah, it. Yeah, it just yeah. became such a thing for, let's call it like a good solid decade. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it Give really... Give or take. Yeah, maybe like the virginal character during the 90s. It's gone now, though. I yeah. Mean, it, I, they... they, they honed in on it a little bit uh which which was on purpose obviously for cabin in the woods yes yeah yeah, yeah. and even even then she was like virgin and she's like we work with what we have yeah <laughs> you know like it's just you know so it was uh it, it, i don't know it, it definitely was an interesting time for sure i always feel bad for her and and jamie lee curtis herself has said this countless number of times she's like Lori was having sex it just she just didn't happen to have a date for the dance for the yeah. prom like you know um, yeah, so fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fuck, you know. But I just, I, you know, I, I wanted to get your input because, you know, being being a guy, I just wanted to see where your head was at and if it rang true for you, and it seems like it did. Yeah, I think so. Cool, cool, you know, cool. Especially for this guy, because it, it, he primarily goes after just all the girls. Yeah. All, all the women, I should say, because Mrs. Mack gets it too. We'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, but so it, it's, you, you just kind of assume, again, you never truly, truly find out, but you just assume that he definitely has issues uh, with women, possibly, you know, if you want to go down like the serial killer trope, you know, probably had an issue with his mom, you know, or whoever was the woman Everything's ambiguous, which life. I love. Yeah. It says a lot about 2023 and 1974. 1974, you've got Bob Clark. He has he feels the freedom. And I know it was a collaboration. He's working with, with Roy Moore and... You know, they're spitballing ideas and they're getting inputs input from the actors as well. But they have the freedom to say, okay, you know what? We're going to kind of start this movie off as a crackerjack. Right. Claire gets killed, gets suffocated, gets put in the attic in the rocking chair. Very psycho. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, like, we have the dangers in the house. But to be fair, the middle part of the movie kind of, like, lets it... We, 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 we're out of the house we we have this poor girl gets murdered in the park like we're at different locations it what it, i guess what i'm trying to say is it it gives the movie a chance to breathe right. and flesh out the characters we never lose any of the sense of dread or for foreboding cuz everyone's going back to the fucking house <laughs> which we know already know the killer is there yeah even when the cops get involved and we we have the cop outside in the cop car we're like well what good is that cuz we all we're complicit we know Billy's in the attic, or yeah. maybe in the floorboards, or maybe in the closet. So, what I love so much about this movie is there's, from the very beginning, and I know Billy does leave the movie, I'm sorry, leave the house, because he does come back to the house, 
and he does kill the cop um, uh, who's watching the house. Right. But but we don't know that. Like, we're always from the very first shot, yeah. which I love so much about this movie, is we are constantly keep going back to the place of danger. And, like, it, it, it just... It, the tension just ratchets up and up and up every time someone leaves the group. Yes. You know? So, uh, again, like, fuck Bob Clark. Jeez. <laughs> I just really like this movie a lot. I know, I know. I you, hadn't seen it. I think even... So So let's get into Claire. So, cause she's, yeah, come on. She's, she's the first, um, well, official kill that you see. You know, because there's already a death outside the house and they, they go searching for the young girl. I think like she, they mentioned she's like 13 years old. Yeah. Or something like that. So, um... Oh, and, and, and someone had been raped in town previously. Okay. Again, this... We do not know that... We'll call him Billy, for lack of... Right? Yeah, okay. yeah, everybody else does. So we don't know that Billy is responsible for this, but we know that there's danger about. Yeah, you know? and we know he's on the loose, so it pretty much points to him. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so the, in the beginning, they get the phone call, they're all listening around, Barb has her fun and makes fun of him, hangs up the phone, you know, whatever. So now Claire decides to go uh, upstairs to pack because she was going to leave the next morning to go visit, uh, to go visit her family and her dad was picking her up. So, she goes upstairs. Now, this scene, to me, was just terrifying because... You do get a sense, and sometimes I wonder if this part was a little bit of a mistake. So, because you know Billy is in the closet. Now, there's um, there's basically like a plastic, uh, you know, like something you would hang over, you know, a nice dress or, yeah. you know, or a suit or whatever. It's like, so you do see that hanging in the closet with her, um, you know, with her, with the rest of her clothes. And then all of a sudden you see the point of view shot of Billy, you know, I think you hear him breathing through the and bag. he's clearly looking at Claire through the plastic. Yeah. Now, now, you know, he's there. Now, so that was a scene with Claire, you know, hearing something and, and just it takes its time slowly going into the closet. Like who's there, you know, whatever. Or thinking it's the cat or something like that. I don't remember. But, um, and then the, it just the the plastic just seems to jump, up yeah, and envelopes her and suffocates her. We to can death. hear the people downstairs. Yeah, that's the scariest thing about this movie is that people are murdered and murdered horrifically. Except maybe the case of uh, uh, Mrs. Mack. She seemed to be the only one uh, alone in the house at that. Yeah, time. Yeah, I think everyone was out and about. But for people are getting murdered reasons. in a full house, mm-hmm. which which for me is one of my things. It's just really. Freaks me the hell out. Oh yeah, um, and it's so crazy effective. It's like daylight horror movies, which I love as well. Because yeah. your mind is like, no, we should be safe here in the sunshine. And then you know, Leatherface comes out and hits you with a ball peen hammer. You know? <laughs> so good. It just, oh my just, god, it throws you for a loop for sure. They take the time with Claire's kill, and oh shoot, Shanna, because you know me, and I the so, actress so bad at podcasting. The editor, the editing in this movie. Oh okay, is so great because. Is it okay if I go to Barb's kill right now? Just because we're talking about the 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 kills, like well, this... well, just finish the scene really fast. Sure. So because then he takes her up to the attic, which I just have to say the the attic door, uh, uh, whatever on little, the ceiling, little, uh, it's cut it, out. It's like 
<laughs> it's like the scariest part because it's a such a deep dark corner up a dark ladder <laughs> into a dark like it's just like it's like a scariest place for an addict to be and it's and it's a perfect place for a serial killer like Billy. But no he's, one thought he, of a lock in 1974. <laughs> no, they did nope. not. No, they did not. He no, got, they did he got not. right into that open window in the attic. Oh, but uh, but he does carry Claire's body up into the attic. And the only reason why I just want to uh, bring it up, uh, the actress was Lynn Griffin, by the way. And Lynn Griffin, so she becomes now a symbol for this movie up until this very day because he props her on a rocking chair and right in front of the fucking window, right in front of the window where she's just rocking back and forth. We've talked about this previously. Now, 74, even though I'm, you know, Moses old, 74 is still, I'm a youngin back then. But those movie posters, and we've talked about this, Mm -hmm. how... The Mother's Day poster messed me up. Evil Dead 2 poster messed me up. There's so this poster. They people just didn't give a shit back then. Yeah. They're like wide-eyed, open-mouthed. We're gonna put her on the poster. She's dead, bag her overhead. Yep, this checks out. That's fantastic. Let's do it. It's nightmare fuel. Yeah. Straight up nightmare. And that fuel. wasn't a dummy. Lynn Griffin actually, you know, I mean they poked a hole in her mouth. So but she she actually just She's insanely she, good at playing that person. She just sat there. <laughs> insanely good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I, I just want to get this info because I really do feel like the editing in this movie is spot on. Stan Cole. Okay. So, oh shoot, look at this. Man, he did. Oh, I think he's got. All right, he's got, he's got some bona fides in <laughs> in horror. Yeah, I mean. All right, sinners. Of course, you can't see this, but I just have to. I have to show Shannon. So, it was Silent Night, Evil Night in the U.S. They released it under this name, and it didn't. It because they're like Black Black Christmas. People are gonna think it's a black exploitation film. Oh, okay. So gotcha. they renamed it this, and it didn't do shit. So they went back to Black Christmas. Oh, okay. I actually never knew that. Yeah. When they went to Warner Brothers, they picked it up. That was great news for me. That was my first major uh, distribution. We went to the sneak preview, which was in Westwood, and we went with the all the big wigs of Warner Brothers. The president of Warner Brothers was there, and all the sales officers were there, and all the and the people when they came out, were, they had to fill in these cards. And of course, Bob and I were extremely anxious to see what the results. But the cards were terrific. The Warner Brothers people were absolutely delighted. Warner Brothers had taken the film for distribution and they thought that the title was misleading, that people would think it was a film about black people at Christmas. Black Street Fighter was coming out, Shaft and Superfly and so forth, and uh, Warner was was very nervous that um, um, that they thought that this film being called Black Christmas would, would be mistaken for a black exploitation action film. They decided that uh, they would change the title, so instead they called it Silent Night, Evil Night. I was pretty much outside of it. They told me they were going to do it. They did ask me to change the ending, and I refused. They wanted to either do a reshoot or turn out that it was Cure Delight, clearly. And how does the movie finish then? They released it. It did not do well. It was horrible. The reviews were incredibly cutting of the film in the States. They admitted they, they 
they misstepped with it. The juxtaposition of that idea with Christmas was intriguing to people. And that idea of a horror, no horror film had ever revolved around Christmas before. So they lost that idea. They actually went back to calling it Black Christmas. And they had all these posters that said Silent Night, Evil Night. What they did was they, instead of making brand new posters, they cut out snipes for the bottom half of the poster. And stuck it on. But, um, yeah, so... Our virgin's dead, which is weird for us now, but mm -hmm. back then it wasn't a thing. No. You know? No, it was totally wasn't a thing yet. Then we get to um, a lot of a lot of good scenes with... Let's talk about Barb. Okay. So, a lot of good scenes with Margot Kidder. Um, a little behind the scenes, you know, little, I'll spill the tea. Kind of did her own thing. Olivia Hussey gives an interview, says that, you know, it was... A, for as dark as the material was and what this movie would become... Um, it was really light set. Okay. They, for the most part, everyone was real young, and they just had a lot of fun. You know, between takes, some people were hooking up. Like, um, uh, Art Art Hine, who plays the boyfriend, mm -hmm. and Lynn were actually dating. Mm. You know, so uh, by the way, first time I saw this movie, I thought he was the killer. Oh, really? I thought at the end, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be the boyfriend. It's gonna be the boyfriend. And how happy I was when that didn't turn out to be the case, and um, that it was the the ending that it should be. Yes. Which is just like, oh my, all right, we'll get to it. Get, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting over my skis. So back to Barb. Margot Kidder. I mean, Shannon, she's gorgeous. Margot Kidder, yeah. She's just, I mean, everyone's gorgeous in this movie. Margot Kidder is like stunning in this movie. I could see how she would get Lois Lane, what, four years later? Yes. Yeah. Give or take, yeah. Give or take, like four years later. She's just, I mean, she pops off the screen. Look, some of this because she has the best lines sure I mean you know she just goes after it yeah. when she's, she's a, she was a little spitfire when she's giving the booze to the kid at the, yes. the underprivileged children party <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she really does I think she you hear her say oh you want some more yeah <laughs> she was, and then she's like tipping the cup like meow meow <laughs> meow meow <laughs> You just have to have an excuse to go back to meow. Oh, I'm going to try and work it into every single podcast. <laughs> but this is the sign of a great movie as opposed to just merely a good movie mm -hmm. or a so-so. Even a, even a side character like Barb gets a trajectory. She takes the phone call. They film the phone call of her talking to her mom in the beginning. And you tell the, you can tell that the mom is saying, I don't want you to come home for Christmas. Like... You're, they're building the characters out here. Like, you're getting Barb backstory, and even though you're really just working off of her um, reaction to the phone call with the mom, you know, she immediately says to the friends, like, hey, does anybody have plans? You want to go skiing? And they can, they know Barb. They're all tight group of friends. They right. know that something's gone wrong, and they all kind of come to her rescue. And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you bet. We'll go away for a couple days. It'll be fun. And then Barb, through her arc... That's when she really starts getting after it, and she's drinking, and drinking, and yeah, drinking. Yeah, she you goes know. on a binge. Yeah, she yeah. goes on a binge, and then it, it's that explosion at the dinner table with um, Claire's dad. Yeah, Mr. Ha uh, Mr. Harrison. And she's talking about turtle sex and, and all that. And, like, you could tell she's having her own little breakdown. Yeah, and, I, he, and he was such a rigid and uptight person. Holy cow. <laughs> This too. Like of all people to say the, the the things that she was saying to yeah the turtle sex moment. It's like I mean every time this guy turns around it's the fellatio, it's the 
the uh, peace poster in his daughter's room and the naked people. This guy can't catch a break. No, no. <laughs> you know? like, what kind of place are you running here, miss? <laughs> He's got Mrs. Mack blowing her sherry breath in his face, you know? But he but he plays it really, really well. I mean, it's like he's so repressed and he keeps everything so bottled up that his daughter is missing and he's just concerned. But at the end of the film, he literally goes into shock. And because he faints, he's, right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, repressed all of this. Yep. So I'll just... Which I'll just, is a very real moment. It's that's... This, I, so it's, it's, it's a small, quick scene, but it, it's so effective. Watching this movie this week, and I hadn't seen this movie in years, Shannon. Yeah, years. same. Watching this movie this week, I'm like, son of a bitch. This is going into my all-time top ten. This movie is so much better. I love this movie. I thought it was a great movie. This movie is now just like light years past where I thought it was. Yes. Maybe because I'm a little bit older now and I can pick up on some of the things and with your help explaining them to me to my face also <laughs> also helps a lot. But it's like, it's, it's just, it's an incredibly well-made film, which... All right, I'll wrap up on Barb, and then I have to ask you a question, and you, I am interested to see what you have to say about this. But Barb, of course, kind of drinks herself into oblivion. They put her to bed, and then she gets murdered by Billy. And, I mean, I think it's a choice. She gets murdered by the most phallic thing in the room, which was the um, the unicorn, the unicorn horn. Yeah, because she know? had, like, a crystal collection. Yeah. Look, I don't want to read too much into it, but it's... it's it is pretty phallic. Okay. You know? I, I'll admit I didn't think of that at the time. I think he saw it, it was a sharp object, and it was a, a, a good stabby tool. Look, sometimes a cigar yeah. is a cigar. I'm probably reading too much into it, because no other murder is symbolic like that, yeah. you know? Um, oh, shit. I skipped over um, uh, Mrs. Mack. Mrs. Mack gets... Sw- I don't know why it's in the attic, but it's some sort of... Um, like a crane? 18th century hook? galleon hook for when you're hoisting the mast. She gets it right into the jaw. Um, but this movie, except for some of the blood that is seen on Barb's hand and on the unicorn horn, this movie's very bloodless. Yeah. It's yeah, there's not a lot of blood at all. Tense as hell, but it's very, very bloodless. It isn't really that interested in the, the killing itself. It's kind of, it, it is sort of oddly sedate and almost kind of chaste about the actual violence. People have pointed out I don't pay off. I don't cut the Andrea Martin going, <sighs> she sees it and we cut. You don't even see Olivia doing cure. There's a complexity to the movie. It's not just a movie to scare people. The one with Margot is the only one there that is actually a killing. I fought very hard to find a way to make that suggestively poetically violent. It's me, Billy. It's all right here. I think Bob was very strong in, in his ability to understand what was frightening to people. He took the kids, put them on the front steps singing a Christmas carol while somebody's being murdered upstairs. That juxtaposition was very important to it. So then we have, um, so we've got Barb's death, and before I get to Phil, I want to ask you a question. Do you consider this a slasher movie or or a psychological thriller, which is also horror, like slash horror? Yeah, I would say really? I, I would say this is more of a slasher. Okay. Yeah. The, the 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 main difference with this one again and and I feel like it's it's very very underrated. It doesn't get talked about a lot unless you're 
you know, like in the know and amongst the horror community, like even people who are like getting into like, um, like newer fans, like, or I shouldn't say newer fans, I should say younger fans. Yeah. I should say. So, you know, like not necessarily growing up with this movie around, I definitely think it, it easily goes under the radar to them because Billy is faceless. Okay. He, he doesn't have, there's no iconic mask. There's no, I, I, the only iconic mask quote unquote there is, is Claire up in the attic. That with the with the uh, I said sheet, not sheet, plastic. Well, plastic sheet over her face, right? It's a plastic sheet. No, it's called a trellis. <laughs> I love how seriously you said that to me too. Because uh, I was gonna be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I would have loved it if you're like the trellis. Oh, the okay. trellis. Yes, the trellis sheet. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Charlie, may I ask you a question? Okay. <laughs> Play along with me. <laughs> Peter's the killer. Okay. There's no phone calls and there's no jibber jabber. There's there's no Billy. It's Peter. Okay. And he's just killing them one by one. Hmm. Is this a thriller or a slasher? That would still see to me. That would still be a slasher. Okay. All right. Yeah, especially without the that, that's what makes it work. No, the I, phone calls. Just curious. Okay. Yeah, because they're still getting plucked off one by one. They're still. Um, like, I, I kind of get the, like, the psychological aspect of it, but I, I think that lives in the mystery of Billy and his psyche. I'm in agreement with you. I yeah, think I, that I, this I, is a slasher. Yeah. I think it's, I think you change a couple of aspects of it, which I guess you could do for any movie, and then it's a musical, you know? But <laughs> you change, and then we have Glee. <laughs> you change a couple of aspects. You could turn this into, like, a whodunit thriller mm-hmm. as opposed to a slasher, but boy, oh boy, am I glad that it's a slasher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, I just, <laughs> I'm, I, I am absolutely going to watch this movie again. <laughs> this I weekend. might too. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. So, okay. Um, Phil is almost, oh, by the way, Andrea Martin, um, Second City TV's Andrea Martin, who would then go on to play Mrs. Mack in the 2006 remake. I think they call her Mrs. Mack, but she's the house mother. Okay. Um, Phil gets killed and Phil's, you don't see Phil get killed, but to me and my psyche, it's the most horrible one of the group. Okay. Because she goes to check on Barb and... And walks through into the room, and the door just shuts behind her. And one of my biggest fears, every single second of every moment of my life, is that someone's behind the door. Oh, yeah. Right? There's definitely one specific door in my house that I've always just kind of, like, shut it. Like, mm, like I'm definitely going to damage the wall one day. But, yeah, but it's like a, it's like a, a, a certain spot that somebody could Shannon there. and I have agreed, and we're going to start a support group. The two scariest things in the world are... Who's behind the door? Someone's behind the door. And shutting the lights off in the basement. Yeah, check behind, and, and check getting behind the door, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You shut the lights out in the basement, and if you dilly-dally, perfect, you will be killed. It's a perfect spot right there. Right. No, don't say that. Yeah. This is my house. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? It's a drop-down ceiling. Who knows who's in there? <laughs> Billy. I love you, Billy. All right. For those guys you can't see, like the, the area where we record this very podcast, there is a perfect spot to hide behind the basement door. I'll go. And one f- now I gave Sean nightmares. I'll go one further. For those of you who can't see, Shannon's just made my house unlivable, and I now have to move. <laughs> and now you have to burn it. To Thanks the a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come next week to record. It's gonna be burnt. To the- no, you're gonna come next week to record. We're gonna be out on the front lawn. All right. <laughs> 
Sorry, Sinister. Sorry for all the wind and leave noises and cars going by. But Shannon is now... outside now. Yeah. Shannon's now terrified me. God, you know what? Next week we're doing Paw Patrol. We're not doing horror movies. Sinners, this is the last horror movie we're doing. I can't believe... All right, I take Trellis back. You don't have to punch me. <laughs> oh, it's just a testament to how insanely creepy and how this movie gets under your skin. Okay. Because, Shannon, we have to talk about the ending. Oh, okay, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sinners, again, you know, all over the place. Um, we got to talk about John Saxon. Oh, yes, I did want to talk about John Saxon. So, actually, really quick history. Please, let me okay, have it. So, uh, so, John Saxon, he played uh, Lieutenant Ken Fuller. So, they had, um, and forgive me because I do not remember his name. I don't really recall them saying his name in the documentary that I saw. Edmund, o- Ed- Edmund O'Brien. I, O'Brien. I, yeah, yeah yes. I looked okay, at it you're too. right. Okay, yeah. Such a sad story. It was a very sad story, yes. Sorry, so Sinners, this one gets a little sad. Yeah, so he did, I think he did quite a few scenes already. But uh, but he did develop Alzheimer's, yeah. and it got to the point where he didn't really know where he was. He didn't really know what he was doing. He would show up at like familiar places, um, at least you would assume so in his um, in his mind uh, while dealing with Alzheimer's. And it def- it definitely you know like it broke everyone's heart too. They they chose to you know finally remove him from the film because it he just he wasn't reliable um really to no fault of his own no to illness yeah yeah and I believe uh, Bob Clark does make a, a um he he made a point to say that he called um I think his I, I guess his manager um and he apparently like, you know with without going too deep into it like gave him hell like. What what the fuck were you thinking? Like well, this this, this man is is very very ill. Yeah, he thought he was in his hotel room half the time. I think mean, it just got very sad. And yeah, you know they made the right call one because the man had Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but also because they did a lot of arduous um, night shoots outside. It was negative ten degrees. Yeah, you know you can't please. So they did the right thing, and yeah. then yeah, y- it was you, very sad. But... You get. Kissable face, Hall of Fame, stellar superstar, John Saxon, and so he, uh, I believe he got it because he he you know read the script really fast. Like it was like kind of like an overnight thing. Yeah. So he so the very first scene it's not the first scene you see him in. Obviously, I think the very first scene is in the precinct. But the very first scene he shot was when they go to go out and look for the missing girl in the park. Yeah. So and uh, you know he he's on the. Um, the, the you know the bullhorn or whatever talking to the community here's what we're gonna do you know giving a plan he literally went to the park from the plane like decided to accept gets on the next plane flies in lands goes there starts shooting it was like two o'clock it was like two o'clock in the morning if we hadn't got john saxon at a moment's notice we would have had to abandon the production we had no completion guarantor on the picture so we couldn't lean on anybody to to help to come in and fill in the plug if we had to cancel the film. I got a script uh, called Black Christmas. I read it and I thought it was going to be successful. So I agreed to do it. And then a short while later, I got an apologetic phone call from Toronto. Someone telling me, I forget who, uh, that a mistake had been made that someone else in the production had cast the role and they were very sorry and I was very sorry too. 
I don't know how long later, maybe days, I got an r- urgent call from my agents. Could I get on a plane and go to Toronto today? <laughs> we got John Saxon with great luck. John was available and the uh, same agency handled him. Came up, got off the plane, went straight into wardrobe, got fitted in wardrobe, went into makeup and was on the set two hours later. John yeah. Saxon, all-time genre superstar. Mm-hmm. Roy, this one's for you. John Saxon, well, and Jim Kelly. Uh, Enter <clears throat> the Dragon. One of Roy's favorite movies of all time. John Saxon plays Roper. And, I mean, John Saxon is just... He, we could do a podcast just on John Saxon. We probably could. You know? Um, oh, by the way, trademark, that's our idea. Yeah. All right? Sons of bitches. It's it, probably a one that already exists. A month from now, it's a, the, the Saxon cast. Yeah. Fuck you. That was our idea. We're coming at you. Once we're done with this Kardashian lawsuit that's imminent. So, I just... This guy, I mean, you would think that John Saxon was there for for three months prepping and was there every single day and just, I really, really, I enjoy my Saxon. He just just slid right into the scene and he does a good job. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, Before we get into the end, because I I want to deconstruct the end and the horror of the end, we really haven't talked too much about Olivia Hussey. We haven't, which, uh, shame on us. Olivia Hussey I adore her in this movie. Yes, she got a little bit of little bit of pushback at the time where they were like, "You're too hard on Peter." I think it was a sign of the times. Like, how, how dare you talk back to a man? But again, it was also, with your abortions. And again, it was still also like the early '70s where uh, abortions became legalized. Like not that long before that. Yeah, I think. I think it was like the late '60s. Boy, oh boy, does this and movie it, resonate now? It was. It was still a very. Mm, it was still a very, very tough subject. Yes. It, well, it's it, it it okay. Well, let me rephrase that. It is and always will be. Yes. A tough subject. Yeah. But uh, especially for I think at that time, I think just hearing somebody say it. Um, but it's like it, uh, you know I don't know. I commend the movie for for not shying away. These were things that happen in lives, mm-hmm. and it's you know. It deserves representation on film. You shouldn't shy away from it just because it's a touchy subject for some. Right. You know, so kudos to this this movie this movie has a lot to say about the time that it's shot in. You know, Ironically, about too, I believe I'm almost positive Olivia Hussey was pregnant at the time. Get out, seriously. I believe she was, yeah. Almost I, positive. I just Olivia Hussey I think is as our final girl. I think she's real good. Mm-hmm. I think she doesn't get any credit as a final girl. I mean, it kind of starts with Jamie Lee Curtis, which is kind of not. But again, like her that, fault. That, but no, there's again. But like I was saying before, I really think this movie is very underrated. It is very, very under the radar. Again, especially Crazy for underrated. you younger um, horror lovers, you know. And it's not. It's not really by any means your fault. My next, my next get is going to be seeing this on the big screen. Yeah. Because it'd be completely different. Yeah. I would love to see it on the big screen. All right. I'll keep my eyes out for that. (laughs) It's like, shit. (laughs) But, uh, but also a quick thing about Olivia Hussey, especially back then. I think still now, but back then, drop dead gorgeous. Oh God, yeah. Drop dead gorgeous. Like, like, like the type of girl that like we all kind of love to hate because she rolls out of bed and she's gorgeous. (laughs) 
I love to love that <laughs> movie. I don't know what the hell Shannon's talking about. <laughs> you know, the rest of us, like, this takes work. <laughs> you know, like, I, I roll out of bed and try to go natural. People are like, the zombie apocalypse is upon us. Don't you believe it, sinners? <laughs> Shannon is the Olivia Hussey of this podcast. Now. Now. I'm the Billy, I suppose. <laughs> How sad for me. <laughs> I, just, I felt like we should definitely give her a shout out because she seems to be passed over in the Scream Queen pantheon. Yeah. So. No, but she also has a very intense scene as well. Like, first of all, I think even though it's like dialogue only and the scenes with Peter, again, just with that subject matter um, of her wanting the abortion, him not wanting it, it, I still think is an intense subject. So she does have an intense moment with her boyfriend. And now by this point, especially towards the end of the film, you know, Peter is now, um, you know, starting with that conversation, growing more and more angry. He, you know, he's concentrating on his audition. He's been doing nothing but practicing. He, spoiler alert, bombs the audition. Like you wouldn't believe, as we said before, as would you, how'd you put it? You finger he just finger fucks that piano <laughs> into oblivion, it's... and the, even the people, the the panel are like, "What's happening?" Yeah, like I was sitting there, list, like listening to it. And I'm like, "Yeah, I would fail you too. It was awful." So I, I don't know. What either way, whatever. Peter sucks. I'm not a pianist, but I I did not enjoy what I heard. Let's put it that way. So he fails that. You know, he smashes the piano afterwards in his anger. All of a sudden, then then you see him creeping outside the house. So you're like, mm, "What the fuck is that all about?" I mean, Bob Clark is is leading us to believe that Peter's the killer yes which in a lesser movie yes. peter would have been the killer right so it, yeah so he gets angry so so now you get to the point where um most of our girls are the, the main girls including mrs mac are gone now olivia is uh alone in the house which she thinks everyone's just upstairs so she goes to check on barb right that something prompts her to go up there and oh, now no, she gets a phone call from Sergeant Nash, remember? And Sergeant Nash is oh, saying, Oh, yeah, Sergeant Nash. Get out of the house. Yes, and, and he was told to, don't tell her. Don't to tell her. I mean, Nash is just the worst. He really is the worst. Oh, wait a minute, wait. Shannon. Worst cop ever. Time out for one sec. How about, like, the, the, the scenes that we get at the phone company of this poor guy, Bill Graham, trying to trace the phone call? And, like, those scenes were tense. Oh, he's yeah. desperately trying to figure out where the call's coming from. And I'm like... This shouldn't be interesting at all. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's crazy interesting. And then, and then, oh, oh, all right, I, I'm so sorry, but I, I just want to mention this because we were talking about it before we started recording. And then this is the iconic line, the calls are coming from inside the house. Mm -hmm. Here's why this movie doesn't get credit for it. Because <clears throat> as an audience, we already know the calls are coming from inside right. the house. Right, yes. In Carol Kane's movie... Which, that was a surprise. Uh, yeah, which, oh my God, you told me what the name of the movie was. <laughs> when a Stranger when Calls. When a Stranger Calls, yes. The audience doesn't know. We're yeah. in Carol Kane's shoes. Right. So when we get that Charles Durning, the calls are coming from inside the house, you're like, no! <laughs> so this one was the originator, but we already knew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So, which I totally get. But at least now, following this, we do get a very intense scene. Because she still goes upstairs. Because she, well, she's I guess a good she, friend. I guess she thinks that she's going to... Yeah, well, Barb is probably passed out drunk sleeping. So she thinks she's going to go save her, I guess. I mean... I'm assuming so. So it, it's... You, if yeah. I don't know. I don't know where you would... I don't know. I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm not really sure what your thought process is at that moment in time, I guess. So you just, again, just want to save your friends. So she goes upstairs and she sees that Barb is uh, already very dead. Yes. Um, and, and, and Phil. 
Yes. Yep. And and then you get now you get the iconic scene of uh you know so the, uh you know think about like when the door is opened and you see the um I guess like that space like that where somebody if somebody is standing the door behind jam. the yeah. do- door jam thank you oh, standing behind f- the door freaking me out. and you just see that friggin' eyeball yeah. just looking at at her didn't it look like the um the iris not it, what's the the uh, pupil no the iris is right. red it looked like the friggin' eye was red in a, in a way I. I I saw that as like there was a Christmas light bouncing off of something. That's how I saw it. Which is what a smart person would think. Yep. Okay. (laughs) You got it. Yep. All right. Because I remember a lot. There were a lot of lights. Like I said, it was a very, very Christmas vibe movie because they had decorations all over the place as they should because it's you know Christmas. Cannot wait to watch this movie again tonight. (laughs) But uh, so yeah, so now you get the the scenes where she pushes the door. um, You know, he's screaming, and, and now this scene is just so intense because. His his face is always just cut off. You see his hands, you see his feet, you see him running after um, Jess, and he does grab her hair. This is how I feel. Which is as close as he is. And I'm not joking. This chase is how I feel every time I shut, shut the, the, lights, the basement, basement lights, lights off. off. Well, ironically, she runs into the basement. Yeah, which, I mean, and look, choices, she didn't have many, but... She did not, yeah. That now makes me... 11 times more scared <laughs> as I'm watching this movie. Oh, God. But, but even when she gets through it, now she, um, I, I, I don't know if she's holding the door or if she gets to lock the well, door. Well, she knows she has that little lock, the little, like, they, the little or, quick little, yeah, okay, little the, 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 the sliding lock. absolutely kick off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he does not, thank goodness. But yeah, so he's like just banging on the other side and it's like, oh my God, oh my God. It's just like such, again, an anxiety ridden moment. Well. So, you're, giving, you're giving me anxiety just just talking about it, which is a sign of a fucking classic. Mm-hmm. Oh, Black Christmas! <laughs> Kissing Black Christmas's face. Yes, all of their faces. Oh, God. But, all right, so, all right. so now you hear Peter right outside the house, who's cl- who was, which was a very strange Peter creeping. scene. Yeah. Peter creeping. Because he's just like, all of a sudden, Jeff, yeah. are you down there? And meanwhile, I'm Jess? like, hey, dude, and no, then, no and- coat, Peter? No What's your coat. Story? Yeah, no coat. And then he breaks the window. A choice. Galactically odd move. Weird, right? So, so yeah. <laughs> Next so, time I come over your house, I'm throwing a garbage can through the living room window. <laughs> hey, Shannon, I'm here. <laughs> what you doing? This is the way Peter does it. What you doing in that dark corner over there? And he's just like looking at her like, not necessarily like everything is normal, but he's just kind of like almost like, like smiling yeah, like maniacally. What are you doing? Why are you answering me? Like we didn't just have a fight about you wanting an abortion. And I didn't just like, say you'll be sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I didn't say that at all. Like it's just what, what? So you know, and then cut to the scene. The cops show up. Um, they you know get there technically a second too late in in one aspect, but just on time in not another for Peter. aspect. Yeah, no, not for Peter. So you know, out of um. Self defense, obviously. Jess, we we this is off camera, so Jess sees uh uh Jess uh, ends up killing Peter. Um, and you just see him like his head on her lap, and she's just there, exhausted. Obviously, I guess as she should. Yeah, be. she's like in shock. Yeah. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So now it, you know, now fast forward to they have her, you know, lying in a bed sleeping. Um, and then they hurry up out of there because Mr. Harrison, as we mentioned before, he goes into shock. He goes into shock. So they rush him out of the house. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, Shannon, wait. E- everyone leaves the house. You're saying you're leaving out the worst part. They've given Jess a sedative, and they're saying 
she's going to be asleep for the next four hours at I least. I forgot about that part. So yeah. she is so she, now incapacitated. She'll be fine on her own. And everyone leaves the house. Except, guess who's in the attic? Mm-hmm. Billy. Yeah, clearly. This... Cle- you hear him. You be- you only hear him talking. I think that's that's the only thing you hear. Well, it is left ambiguous. Yes. That that, that we're you know. So we've got the um like the voiceover of of Billy right. jibber jabbering, but we're we're led to believe that he's still in the house. Yes. And just and everyone. I mean, the cop is outside. I mean, it's not yeah. Like, you do see him outside. Yeah. It's, it's not like everyone has a like. Hey, all right. <laughs> you know, case closed. But, I mean, like, the, the, the fuck the cop is out from outside is going to do. Like, he might as well just be gone. This film has shown us for the last hour and 45 minutes that everyone's getting killed as people are 10 feet away in this house. <laughs> so it's just, like, it's so monumentally upsetting that they basically, like, like, like they've incapacitated Jess, and they everyone leaves, and we're back to the theme of this, well, not the theme of this movie, but, the, like, the horror of this movie of your safe space is not your safe space right because everybody thinks like peter was the killer peter's now dead case solved this is great we'll just let jess rest and we'll wrap this all up tomorrow and then the, it's not over no it's, it's like it, al- it almost kind of like starts all over again right okay sense yeah so glad you said that <laughs> so i'm watching this documentary I'll put it in the in the show notes, centers. Really great 40, 40 minute documentary on Black Christmas. And they uh, had said that if there was going to be a sequel, which they talked about, okay, it would be set in the fall. Okay. Billy would escape. It, Billy would have been caught. Okay. He would have escaped, and they would have called the movie Halloween. <laughs> Go fig. <laughs> Whether or not this is this is actually Stolen true or not, yeah. <laughs> whether it's true or not, this could be apocryphal Car- after the fact. Was Carpenter like on the you know crew John, John in the Carpenter. background, the background crew? John Carpenter furiously writing like, and then what would happen? Halloween <laughs> pretty much was conceived as a, as a sequel to Black Christmas. He and John were working on a film that were about some murderous family from the Appalachian Mountains. That was a project that never got made. John Carpenter had asked Bob Clark, um, are you going to make another Black Christmas? You know, that's one of my favorite films. And he said, uh, no, I, I, I don't think I really want to. I want to go in different directions now. And John Carpenter said, well, you know, if you were going to make it, what, what would you... Uh, you know, what would you do? It'll be he was captured. After all, he was put in an institution. And the movie will begin the night he escapes uh, back in town. And they don't know it yet. And I'm going to call it Halloween. John Carpenter took that and ran with it. And, uh, of course, Bob Clark is, you know, was happy to let him go ahead and do his thing. So he added his own kind of uh, spin to it. That was that was the plan. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of. It's a little sad that Bob Clark never, to my knowledge, I checked out his IMDb. He did. He rolled into Porky's. Um, I think what was that? 80, 80? And 80, then Porky's, so Porky's eight was eighty one. Porky's two was eighty three. Okay, and then he then from that moment, then we have Christmas Story. I think about eighty four. From Give that moment take, forward, yeah. he does a lot of family fare. A lot of um, he did Baby Geniuses in like ninety one or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely shifts gears, and now he's doing a lot of of well, they family. They want to try a little bit of everything, sure. which is fine. Yeah. But man, I'm. I, I, I'm just thinking of he was so good, you know. Yeah. Like, oh boy, it really would have been great to see what what he could have done. But this just makes me really rabid 
to check out Death Dream, which he did before this. So okay. yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to check that. that out. For sure. So Christmas horror. Gotta yeah. love it. But I, again, it, it's, I think that's what makes it so special is uh, the fact that it, does, it doesn't continue. And you're left with, you know, obviously the remakes, um, happened. Um, I, I mean, they utilized two completely different storylines. I think especially the last one was a complete, like the only thing, the only thing that's really, um, uh, like the, the same trope is it's still sororities, I think both of them. And at Christmas. And at Christmas time, right? That's literally the only. We have those two things. It's a remake. Come Mm. on. That's gonna be our next podcast. It's just gonna be called, and it's gonna be shit we don't like. Exactly, not a bad idea. It's like Marge Simpson's, you know, really not a bad idea. Disapproval. Trademark. Trademark. Okay. Anything? Anything before we mention what we're doing next week? Any wrap up for Black Christmas? I think that I think that's all. I let's see. Let me go through my notes. Miss Mac looks like a penguin. Uh, Sergeant Nash, worst cop ever. Mister Harrison was rigid and uptight. <laughs> uh, phone calls are very creepy. And uh, oh yeah, watch this fucking movie. Yeah, please do watch this movie, especially um, if. And again, nineteen seventy four, not the other two. You can for comparison, but we're talking about nineteen seventy four. I just have two things. I can't stress that enough. I have two things. Three things, actually. Okay. Shannon's right. There's got to be a yearly watch, Sinners. It's got to be a yearly watch. Mm. Um, this, supposedly, was uh, Elvis Presley's favorite horror movie. Oh, wow. And he did watch it yearly. Again, in only a couple of years, because I think he died in 77. Uh. But he would make this a yearly watch. And to commemorate, after his death, the family watches it every year really even to this oh, day that's a random fact i like it second little fun fact i have is olivia hussey um met with steve martin for the movie roxanne okay she was considered for for the uh one of the leads in that and steve martin said i'm so excited to meet you because you made one of my favorite movies of all time and she assumed that it was romeo and juliet and Steve Morton said, no, it's Black, Black Christmas. Christmas. I've seen it 27 times. Wow. Steve Morton, massive Black Christmas fan, which makes me want to kiss his face even more. <laughs> God, I love, I love learning stuff like that. Um, would you, do you want to announce what we're doing next week? Because I'm so excited about this. I might bite through my knuckle. Can I announce it? Sure. Then? <laughs> He's giving me that like maniacal eye look. I'm like, I, for, I, I, I know the two that we're supposed to do, but I forgot which one we said we're doing next. Right, we're gonna do this. I one forgot next. the order. Okay, I'm gonna okay. get ready for it. sinners. Da 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 da. And French sinners. <gasps> oh yes, I did. I now remember. We are doing a movie that is called Inside. Now, if you're not familiar familiar with it, please watch this movie. It is a Christmas horror movie. It is a it happens on Christmas Eve. This is um this is kind of this is very this is in our bag for for myself and Ch- and Shannon because we love the French extremity. There's a period of time pretty much starts with like high tension and we get a lot of brutal Ooh. French horror movies and they're so good and one of the crown gems is inside. And we will talk about this movie next week. And if you haven't seen it, prepare to get fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It will... The French extremity is called that for a reason. It's very brutal. Okay. 
trigger warnings, people. This is an intense movie. Yes. It is graphic and it is gory. And if that's not your bag, then by all means, you, you don't have to watch it. You, you, you can tap out, but please listen to the podcast because we'll be de- deconstructing it. And it is a, I mean, it puts the cut in sinful cuts. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you that right mm-hmm. now. Is this our first foreign film? Yes. Okay. So we're, 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 you know what? We announced that we were going to do theme months, and um, one of those months will absolutely be the French Extremity, and we'll, of course, be doing more international horror movies because there's so many great ones out there. But centers, there's only so many movies. I mean, we only get one a week, okay? To back off. <laughs> we love suggestions. We surely do. All right, so uh, just you know, to uh, tout the socials, by all means, you can email us and send us those suggestions or tell us how horrible we are or how great we are. That would be better and make <laughs> us feel good at simplecuts at gmail.com. Um, and then you have... Comes with a song now. <laughs> please, please follow us on Instagram at C-I-N dot f-u-l underscore c-u-t-s and of course oh shannon i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it because i haven't said it yet we are on spotify and we are on itunes and guess where else we are and people are watching we are on youtube it's called youtube check sound youtube i'm getting such a treat right now because he is literally dancing we're on youtube please subscribe like and subscribe us on YouTube. It costs nothing, but we would love to have to grow, have a growing army of of, of sinners out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and we have a website, and we yes. actually do have a website, and yeah. we're not giving that out just yet because we have to learn how to website. <laughs> but sinners, it's all coming together. So. I hope you have a fantastic week. You know I can't do anything until Shannon takes us out of here. And that's a cut. The history of Canadian horror films is a pretty short one, actually. If there was a golden age, it would be the mid-70s. And Black Christmas would be sort of sitting near the peak. There hadn't really been many horror films in Canada up until that point. This was really a, a different kind of direction for Canadian, for a Canadian horror film, and a, a different direction for horror films in general. It wasn't a film that came after. Uh, it didn't try and improve upon. It really set the tone for the time for the films that followed. Anything else which kind of followed, in a lot of respects, was kind of redundant. It's, it's really a, a landmark, I think, in, uh, in horror and, and in Canadian horror specifically. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.